Welcome to episode 50 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, still your host, they have not fired me yet, and still riding with me shotgun is my buddy here, Mr. Matthew Aguilar. What's up, peoples? And back around for the 50th milestone, we had to bring the man who helped us start it all, Mr. Brandon Davis, is on the couch. Hello! Smart move to only have me on episodes every once in a while. I don't know if you would have made it this far if I was here every week. It's better with just you guys. And in, <laughs> and God. in what was a perfect intro that you're never probably going to hear because of uh, technical difficulties, we somehow figured out that this 50th episode is also a milestone that synergizes perfectly with the 50th Comic-Con, which is why for our 50th episode, we are now just going to do a total Comic-Con recap. We bring, are bring, bring, all kind of... Oh, you're bringing oh. it back. Oh, no. <laughs> Matt, I guess get yours in. Get yours in. No, no, Matt doesn't need to get his in. <laughs> what? I was like, he said he did a sound, and he looks at me like, whatever. We can't make sounds anymore? Uh, no, we had a no, review. We had Matt a review that specifically yeah, calls out specifically. the air horn, the fake air horn. I didn't do it, though. Why did you stare at me? Not because I didn't. Because oh. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> and I heard it, so I just assumed it was you. I was going to let everybody eat some cake. Someone left the review that said, don't do the air horn? Yeah, because I did it on like the second episode. <laughs> Matt, Matt, was doing, Matt was doing it basically every break. I was not. That's <laughs> an exaggeration. Well, if you're still problem. listening 48 episodes later, I'm the air sorry, horn is back. Apologies for that air horn. <laughs> but we're all, uh, yeah, we're all feeling, starting to feel the effects of Comic Con because we have all just rolled off planes and are back in the studio uh, to bring you guys what we saw. And so we've been in the trenches, and now it's time to tell you kind of what we dug up, what we saw. So we are going to go through uh, everything. Uh, and break it down. We're going to start with uh, day one and some comics. Thank you, Matt. And we're going to end in Hall H and Marvel and some funny stories for you guys. So just uh, kind of kick back because this is what we're doing in this special episode of Comic Book Nation. All right, Matt. So let's start at the top. Con- it is called Comic-Con. And yes. you would think that somewhere in this whole mess... We should do something with comics, yes? Yes, and there was, there was some nice things. Uh, one of the biggest reveals uh, was Marvel in kind of rolling out their Dawn of X plan, which is essentially all the upcoming X books that will launch after House of X and Powers of Ten conclude, which is the Jonathan okay, Hickman so run. Okay, so we did all this lead up, and we talked about this. Yeah. What is this series? I know that the first issue is going to be... Coming, and I think legally by the time anybody hears this, it'll be... Oh, yeah, we like can tell it, because we're totally yeah, going to yeah, talk yeah. about it. Yeah. All right, so, like, yeah, please, just uh, tell me. Essentially... Waiting. Hickman has been, like... <laughs> it's like Gabbo on The Simpsons. Like, I've been waiting to see, like, what Jonathan Hickman so has. So before we get to their announcements, essentially, and this is spoiler territory, so I'm going to talk about a few things, but the book really is about resetting, and not just resetting, but, like, fundamentally changing the status quo for mutants. So it's not like typically what happens in these things is like they kind of put band-aids or they change like one or two things. This is kind of like trying to get down to the bottom of everything and then rebuild. So like in the first issue alone, which is I thought really great, Jim isn't as keen on it as I am, but like there's a lot of really great world building here. Essentially they give the mutants a new home, they explain exactly what like omega level mutants are. They put like a new uh, foundation for like what the X-Men are about and what Charles Xavier's dream is about like going forward. They set the stage for like how mutants are viewed in this world. Like they do a lot of stuff 
in this, but and it features a ton of characters. So there's a lot of really good stuff here. Uh, it's kind of dense, but it's it's a lot. Like it's really good. It's it's weird for if you've been reading the Matt Rosenberg stuff to jump oh, immediately yeah. jump into that. It's incredibly jarring. Absolutely. Because there's a bunch of characters in this book that were not in uh, <laughs> the the other book. Uh, or they were dead. Yeah, or they were dead. And, they and, just... and, so, and so there's no real explanation for that yet. No. And so for someone who's been reading X-Men this entire time, very, very weird. I think it's actually better if you haven't been. I think this right, is that's actually, what I mean. yeah, very... But if you are someone who hasn't been reading X-Men for a while, waiting for that excuse to jump back in or wanting to get back in, um, this this is that for you. Uh, the the Hickman of it all, so like the infographics and all mm -hmm. that stuff, uh, to me, didn't feel like they really connected with the art in the way that it sometimes normally does. Hmm. Like it felt like it was trying to be nightly news which was written and drawn by Hickman mm -hmm. and also like a Marvel, a Marvel comic book. And so uh, a lot of the, the infographic stuff felt very jarring. It was like comic book art, comic book art, comic book art, yeah. boom, infographic dump. Um, that didn't necessarily fit, even from a color standpoint. No, they yeah. were very white and black and a little well, red, and then orange. everything else is so colorful. Yeah. And so it's, it's a little jarring. That's why, I mean, I love, I love the information that is always yeah. on those pages. To me, it, it's... Uh, it's a very unique way of reading a comic book. It's a very uh, different way of thinking about story and adding different layers to um, to his overall plan. I don't know if it was like I wouldn't. I'd maybe give it a seven out of ten. Oh, or wow. it was a, if it I give was it, a, or if it was on our five star, score. no, if it was on our if it was on our five star like yeah. rating, I'd probably give it a three. I think it should be like a lot three of, and a half. Huh? No, I want to. I, I would feel stick like with you a, think it's more of a two point five. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a three. Um, because it, again, it doesn't. There's one really great moment in it, and you and I talked about this before. Yeah. Where Cyclops shows up, talks to the best the Cyclops more, um, and and to me, I can't shake the feeling that this is basically going to be set up Avengers vs X Men two. And oh, see, I don't think that at all. Really? No. Two. I just think they all they did in this, and I think what you'll see throughout the series is they're trying to establish who the mutants are in this world because we've seen it time and time again, and even some of the recent reboots and recent like revivals have focused on mutants are oppressed again. Mutants are like it's the same right. thing, and this one's trying to just give you when when they have that Cyclops versus the Fantastic Four moment, it's not really a like they're not fighting. No. It's a gen, it's a conversation, but it's also a conversation with an understanding of things are different now. And by the way, if you think Cyclops is the best X-Men like I do, this is so good. This whole little sequence is amazing. Yeah. But I think that's what you'll see in this series. I don't think, I mean if they did, I don't think Hickman would take control of this kind of thing and then go, oh we're gonna try and do the same thing we did a couple years ago with the Avengers. That was oh. one of my worst I hate that series. It wouldn't be hard to improve upon that series. That series because was terrible. Because that series, the, the ending, and the, uh, yeah. Yeah, everything about that series <laughs> was the, terrible. The beginning, so, it made Scott Summers look like such a, yeah, it was Before bad. we get too deep into X-Men, what else should we know about Hickman's run and what else did we learn about from Comic-Con? Okay, so uh, you're going to want to keep, there's two series that are coming out and they're going to come out every week, essentially. Every like other week. So it's House of X and the next week is Powers of Ten. You're going to want to check out both and kind of go along with them because they're going to reveal different parts of the world and the status quo. So you're going to want to do that. Uh, after these are done, uh, there's going to be a series of new books. They're going to kind of have these redone teams. Hickman will have the core X-Men book 
So he's going to have like just X. It's called X-Men. Uh, and there's a couple of them. So uh, Excalibur will get a book. The Marauders. New Mutants. Fallen Angels. The Marauders. X-Force. And really, in this, we were looking at some of the teams, and like Fallen Angels is essentially what you think an X Force team would be. And X Force, I don't know what the hell that team is, because that's a weird team. It's like Colossus and Beast yeah, really and Domino team. and and uh, Quentin Quire mm-hmm. and uh, oh god, I'm forgetting who. There's a couple more people on that team. It's just a weird mishmash. Fallen Angels is like Young Cable, Psylocke, and like it's that kind. Of, it feels like that kind of team. Um, Probably the the biggest. Well, the main the main X Men book though. The main X Men book has a great team. I is, think. I mean, it's basically the Summers family, and like, but it's got Corsair. <laughs> <laughs> Corsair's on the team. So Star Jammers, okay. right? So it's, what? It's, yeah, it's Corsair. Okay, Cyclops is dead. Yeah, Cyclops, Young Cable, mm-hmm. Cyclops's kid, uh, Vulcan, Cyclops's other brother from space, Havoc, another Cyclops brother. And we're forgetting one. There's one. I swear there's one more person on that squad that I should be remembering. Um, but, it's an, but it's basically the Summers family. Yeah. But this answer. is okay. <laughs> to me, this is fine. Uh, Excalibur is probably, uh, it's also really more of a classic X-Men team. It's like Rogue, Gambit, Jubilee. Uh, and there's some really interesting teams here. Um, the Marauders one is kind of the one that surprises the most. But yeah, so yeah, those what, launch. What, no, explain to me what the Marauders so it's is. So it's not the Marauders that, the team is not basically the Marauders you know. It's basically like, it's like Iceman, Kitty, Pride, Storm. Um, I should really just pull these, pull these covers up. But it's, so, but it's not, so they're not like, Marauder Marauders. Yeah. In, in I asked for answers, and yet now my brain hurts more. Okay. <laughs> so we got a whole line of new X-Men comics That will out. launch after these okay. House of X and Powers of Ten are done. And okay. you should definitely check out House of X because, I, I mean, I thought it's really interesting. And I do agree with Jim, though. If you are new, it's the perfect time to hop on. And oh, right. Doing a line the X-Men book stuff. also has Rachel Summers. Yes, and uh, and Marvel and Marvel Girl slash Jean Grey, which I guess is what she's going by now, which is really weird because she was she's got like Jean Grey has her Jean Grey costume leading up until this point, and now she's back to being well, Marvel Girl. Me and Jamie were kind of talking about it, like Jamie so much. Jamie's kind of thinking that you know those a lot of the costumes are all different, like they're different classic versions, right? And so there is something to oh, that. We don't know on, what and that Wolverine's is. on the X Men team because well, it's because X Men book Wolverine and Wolverine got to be on the team. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's X-Men. So there's a lot of really cool stuff. All right, on X-Men. so check that out. All right, moving on. Now, something I was kind of involved in, Spawn. I went to Todd McFarlane's inspiration and motivation panel, which was classic Todd McFarlane. But <laughs> one thing he did do was... Uh, was How many cool. questions were asked at the panel? Um, he, he got in a fair amount of questions. He was on a he was on more of a rapid fire. Oh, wow. Very, very high-powered. Very focused. V- yeah, focused oh, okay, thing. Okay, like, cool. He was very like, we're getting through these. Boom, 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 boom. I was just messing around. I think Todd's a great guy. No, no, he's good. I mean, he but Todd, I mean, he can talk. He, can tell he has a, a lot of stories. Say. He's very, like, Todd yeah. can be very verbose at times. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, but, go uh, ahead. And this one, he was very focused about, like, yeah, time. But anyway, um, one cool thing he did was he got three, like, amateur or kid inkers from, like, the oh, room yeah, and let them this. ink pages of Spawn 300 That's, while we were sitting there. Wow. And then he checked them. And, like, one kid, this, this little kid was, like, so good. He was like a little prodigy. Like he kept looking back and being like, so where, oh, 
And then he like looked at his work and it was like all to the edges. It was like perfect. It was just so crazy. Yeah. That kid might get a job. So, but, uh, <laughs> wow. like, yeah. so yeah, he did it. And, and uh, we saw some pages and it looked pretty cool. It looked pretty intense, Spawn 300. So uh, I think that's next on was, your bullet point list. It's actually funny because BD and I actually stopped by to uh, talk to Todd uh, just before we left and he showed us the cover. Uh, he inked yeah with over, all those spawns. Well, he so he yeah the yeah he inked over Jerome Pena, who is easily my favorite oh, artist. Yeah, maybe that art great cover. So and so cool. to see Todd ink over Jerome is so freaking cool. Like I that's the yeah, cover that's I'm absolutely awesome. picking up. Pena's art I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that cover was awesome with all these like the, the there's a set number. Spawn. I forget. There's like yeah. a a variant spawns that's like on the cover. Like it's nuts. I mean, it, the fact that it's hitting 300, because yeah. at 301, right? Is 301 great. breaks the record. Breaks a, re yeah. breaks a record for original created. Yes, he let us know. <laughs> That'll break the record for uh, original creator-owned property, longest running, uh, 26, 27 years, something like that. But I mean, yeah. if you're a Spawn fan, it sounds like there's cool things coming up. He's getting a modified look. He's getting new, you know, he's supposed to be getting some new powers and retiring some other ones. So, um, so it, you know, if you're a Spawn fan, I mean... Sales on that book just keep going up. I mean, I, I would imagine leading up to 300, but it sounds like we could be getting a really cool spawn, How? you know, book. I know. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I mean. It's people are the, spawn, the, the, look, 90s nostalgia is alive and well. Yeah, it is. It's true. I got to catch up. I mean, I fell <laughs> off a of spawn. I, I never thought it would make it this far. And it's just like the little engine that keeps going. Keeps going. But he said why. I mean, and Todd McFarlane's right. It's just because he's worked on every issue. He's just been there doing this and yeah. like and so therefore it's still the same journey to fans minds and i remember what a big deal spawn was i lined up at comic-con philly for hours to get like a spawn one signed and like all that stuff and like yeah, you still have it somewhere oh somewhere don't worry about that <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about that so yeah pretty cool i mean if if you're and there are a lot of fans still just sticking around for the long haul so and he's this is the first one he's going to pencil and ink since 1995 I believe it's been yeah. I mean he yeah pencil and ink. It's, yeah, yeah, it's been a while. He so take those on. So all right, that's coming up. All right. So while we're still talking comics, uh, let's break from Comic Con for just a second. You wanted to talk a little bit real quick about any books coming up this week? Yeah, I'll just give a real quick shout out because we covered House of X already. So definitely check out a review, which will be on the site when this goes live. Um, and then uh, def I mean just keep I would say hit us up on Twitter because we'll be talking all about it. Uh, also. Uh, Curse of the White, Batman Curse of the White Knight uh, is the new book from Sean Murphy. It's the one that followed the, essentially what turned Joker sane. And so Jack Napier was in control again, and it was kind of an alternate take on Batman. Uh, that proved really popular. I really enjoyed it. Uh, this is the sequel, and this is kind of Joker taking back control and trying to undo his other sides work but like had a very much a big impression on batman and the world's changed since then so it's really interesting that first issue drops as well also for it would be remiss for me not to mention mighty Morphin power rangers number 41 comes out because uh the last book introduced the new omega rangers which for fans of the show are jason trini and zach when they departed from that second season and essentially the book is telling what happened <coughs> on their adventures and like spinning a whole new tale from it so for fans of the show it's something really cool they left because of contract negotiations <laughs> and nothing to do with that but this book takes it and goes well, what if they didn't yeah what if they essentially like Saban was being cheap <laughs> did, you, did you get to ask Austin about that when he was in the studio no we didn't oh. get to make it to it uh but uh yeah and uh you actually pay attention to the site uh today because we will have an article going out about it there's some uh, pretty juicy secrets that I won't say here. Uh, but yeah, so pretty interesting. 
So uh, that's for Power Rangers. And then also we have uh, Valkyrie number one, which if you were paying attention to the uh, Marvel panel, you know that the movie verse version of Jane Foster will be doing Thor things. In the comics, it's been, she's been Thor, but now she's kind of moving on and becoming Valkyrie. So that first issue launches today, and all of that's coming from the uh, War of the Realms fallout. So it's actually really good, too. Uh, there's been a lot of really good books. So definitely check out our site. So comicbook.com says read some comics. Do ya. There you go. All right, so back to Comic-Con. We are next going to talk about Generally, just the big TV and movie trailers we saw uh, in a couple screening. Or no, actually, we're going to do those later. So all the big TV and movie trailers we saw. Um, if you guys have listened to our recap episodes, then you've heard about a lot of these. So we're not going to like get too crazy about them. Go listen to those Comic Con Day One Day Two recaps that uh, BD did. They're really great. Um, and our uh, special Marvel one we did, you know, yesterday. <laughs> just so that's out there too. So we're going to keep it moving through these, but just in case you guys haven't heard those yet or just need the overview, here's what we saw. So let's run through them, and then we'll talk a little bit about this. So we saw a new trailer from It 2, which is now out there, and uh, yeah, not surprisingly, it continues to look great. So good. Yeah. (laughs) E.D. saw some at uh, Scare Diego. Yeah, they showed the trailer, and then they showed um, three clips, uh, each of which were very different from each other, but they were all really, really, I mean, they looked great. It kind of looks like it took what we liked about the first one and just did more of it. And you, I remember you were kind of freaked out specifically about something we saw in the trailer, which was the mirror sequence with uh, James McAvoy. Oh, yeah, James McAvoy. Well, first of all, he, like, hurt himself filming this movie because he tried to, he took it too seriously. He, like, pulled his <laughs> he <had> tendonitis. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, for six months. But uh, there was a sequence where he chases a little kid into a uh, fun house. Uh, because he's dealing with the guilt of what Pennywise has done to his his friends and family in the past, and he's trying to save a little kid. Uh, and the kid, like, he goes to this funhouse, and it's super claustrophobic just from being like the mirror room in a funhouse. Anyway, he's walking into glass, and he's walking into mirrors, and then all of a sudden he sees the kid, and the kid is trapped in a glass square. And Pennywise shows up on the other side of the glass square and starts bashing his head and laughing. Well, first he licks it with a giant tongue. And then he starts bashing his head on the glass until his head goes through it. And then right when his head goes through it, they cut the scene. But I imagine those giant teeth were eating, uh, just like Georgie. So I, I don't know when in the movie that takes place. Then they showed us another scene where they go back to the Neville house uh, and they go inside and they find... This is mild spoiler. I don't know if this is... They find a body in there and it's it's a familiar body and its head rolls off and it starts growing legs out of the head. Each of the eight legs have a hand, human hand on the end, and it's talking to them and laughing. Super and, creepy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's all creepy. And then, of course, they did the, fortune co- the, the Chinese restaurant scene with the fortune cookies from the book, uh, and it was really creepy. There was nothing even scary in the scene, but it just felt really claustrophobic. So that was, that was really cool. I can't wait for that. Yeah, I it's gonna be a. I don't even want to see anymore. Every record. It's coming. It's almost. You know, September is gonna be here before we know it. I don't even want to see anymore. I just want to get to it and just. They don't even have to market that one anymore. It's gonna make. It might make a billion dollars. Oh, woof! There's BD's Uh, proclamation. I'm not gonna argue on that one. It'll it'll be in between 800 and a billion, I think. So two other blockbusters that 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 we saw. Right. Yeah. No. I I listen. I'm tired. uh, (laughs) Yeah. The Comic Con hangover is so real. Yeah. Two other big blockbusters that have uh, we saw that have made some headlines. We saw uh, Top Gun Maverick, which uh, you know, arguably BD predicted this could be the trailer that owned Comic Con, and that's still in debate. I think. It's the best trailer that made its way online. Yeah. I think. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. 
All right, and it's like uh, the only trailer that made its way. That's online. fair. Well, I mean, your options here are. Well, it made its way online. Uh, it, but, uh, both both of those two trailers are really good. I mean, you could like The Witcher. Uh, well, we're gonna get to that, but yeah. uh, we also saw Terminator: Dark Fate. And BD, you kind of are coming around on this movie and said, "Dude, what you saw and what they're actually showing you in footage clips is looking a lot better." I don't know why they're releasing the trailers and featurettes they're releasing. I don't know what's wrong with this movie. Yeah, what is with that? The stuff they're sh- they showed us. I've been in two panels for this movie. One at CinemaCon and one at San Diego Comic-Con, which couldn't even fill Hall H, by the way. But, which is just a bad sign. I don't know why there's no buzz for this movie. It's probably because the trailer they released was nowhere near as good as the footage they showed at CinemaCon and Comic-Con. The footage has been great. Linda Hamilton is kicking Terminator ass. Uh, she's dropping grenades and saying, I'll be back, and it's exciting. And I don't know why they're not releasing that online. They're releasing trailers that people are just like, oh, well, okay. That's a movie. Uh, Arnold's character is named Carl. Carl. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> most of all age immediately is like, Carl. I am Carl. But yeah. I am Carl. I just want to know what, how, a, why a Terminator ages. It's living, fer- living flesh over an exoskeleton. Lack of moisturizer. Just living flesh. The flesh ages, but does the flesh age and the hair ages and the yeah? It's living flesh over an exoskeleton. So what's it going to look like when it's 120 when the battery starts to run out finally? Well, the flesh comes off, but the exoskeleton and the power core are built to last. Nuclear. Yeah, that's the whole thing about Terminators. Mm. Is like nuclear. I don't think they would age. Uh, But uh, yeah, I didn't think Terminators would age. He's an older model though. Yeah. Mm. Dude, you now, now Ghost Rider. Did you is the not Terminator. see Genesis, bro? Did you not study Genesis? Like it doesn't count. No, and you know what's funny is no I interviewed Tim Miller. I, I interviewed Tim Miller, who previously, you know, from he directed Deadpool. But I said to him, and like, you know, we kind of we basically know this movie takes place after T two, and we're acting like the rest didn't happen. But I just wanted to, you know, get the story, get it straight. Like finally, the director says it, and I asked him, when does this take place in terms of the Terminator universe? You know in such a big universe, where does this fit? And he said, right in line with the rest of them, as if it was a bad question, <laughs> as if, like, it's not fair to just, I want you to tell me, it's after T2, the rest don't count. I want the director to say that. Yeah, and but he, he doesn't want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pro- so. It's probably on his sheet. If you get asked this, yeah, he, he, it yeah, fits yeah. in with everything else. Yeah. That's the no, you shouldn't you take give. it personally, as a, as a, because that's a no, great no, question. No, I, I didn't take yeah, it personally from question. him. I'm sure like people are asking that oh, question. Oh, people are going to ask a lot, so he'll, he'll have to deal with his. So don't worry, karma's real. All right, <laughs> but uh, moving over. I mean, the movie side was undeniably weak this year. So let's hop over to where some other exciting things were actually happening, and we're going to hop over to TV. Uh, Matt, you did some things with The Witcher, and we got the first trailer for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would looked cool in concept. I personally don't know if I'm sold on Henry Cavill in the role of, uh, what's his name? Gerald? Gerald. 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 Um, I'm with you, Kofi. The, yeah, he looks too pretty, wrong. too clean. Like somebody with like a rugged you think, look. You think Henry Cavill looks right for that role? Oh, yeah. I thought you were with the pronunciation. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm with them on both. <laughs> well, yeah, um, but, but also dandelion in the thing is also called dandelion, and it, there's no way to get that from <laughs> from reading a book. So, I, yeah. I don't know how I feel about Henry Cavill in the part. I need to hear him talk more. I need to see him talk. What did did he? Are you 100 percent sure he has lines in that trailer? He does yeah, have he does. lines. He has lines in it. But like, well, but and you can look at our full like kind of breakdown on this at the second day recap for comic-con but you know it's just kind of a quick thing i mean i like like i told bd before i think people are going in with an expectation that it's supposed to be something more 
epic or Game of Thronesy than it is. That's not necessarily what these stories about, and especially these stories because these are based on the uh, book of short stories. This is actually like a precursor to the main novel. So this is really about setting a world of Yennefer, Ciri, and Geralt and seeing them actually come into contact with each other for the first time. Whereas people with the games are kind of more familiar with like, oh, they're all in each other's world and Geralt's our point of view and everything. The clips, the extra clips we saw in the panel are very much like they want to give these characters their own identity. So you're gonna get to know Ciri, you're gonna get to know Yennefer in more personal ways. So I think this, this first season is gonna move a bit slower than you know maybe people were expecting who played the game straight up. Uh, but I think it'll also be these characters are really interesting in the books, and I think it'll pay off uh, down the line. I think it'll be by the end of the season, you'll be like, okay, you'll be ready, and this will all come together. Also, the monster hunting they barely touched on in the trailer. That's because, like, Geralt, you'll see more of his personality ironically come out with him and his horse because his horse is actually kind of his best friend uh, in the in the books in the games so it's going to be a little bit of a like very isolation based show but I think it'll all come together I'm sold on him by what, the way. what you're saying is so much more exciting than what the trailer showed yeah the trailer I think was underwhelming so what you're saying same boat as Terminator then well yeah. like because the panel they show a full battle scene okay. with with Geralt fighting in a in a throne room and it's him and next to a bunch of rebels and they're all fighting and it's sword fighting and and that looks really crisp and nice and then the series stuff they show it's like her encountering <coughs> sorceresses in the forest and they're developing her journey Yennefer's scene was by far the most like emotionally poignant because it's her talking to uh, a dead child uh, and it's it's it that scene displays like the weird dark humor of the series immensely well because like this is a very poignant and dark moment you know but it's also there's some weird sarcastic humor in there as she's doing it so it's going to be different than what i feel people are expecting but i don't think that's a bad thing okay moving on let's go to uh star trek picard we're gonna have to get through some of these a little bit faster so we saw star trek picard which i thought was a cool trailer what a fire trailer yeah to bring back <laughs> John <laughs> Luke Picard, one of the most beloved captains of all time, to the screen, and in a story that is like very much the old Star Trek, but like kind of meets the new world of Discovery in a weird way. Uh, it feels like a little bit more sci-fi and edgy, um, but Captain Picard building this new kind of ragtag crew is just like a really cool concept. And seeing Patrick Stewart back, as I mean, he's still just a boss. So I'm in. I love it. I'm a next-gen kid, so I'm really excited about that one. I'm not a Star Trek fan, really, overall. Like, I would say that's one of my least favorite franchises, just in exposure. But I am jazzed. That about trailer this. looked so Like, I am so yeah. ready to watch this. Yeah. I just want to see Patrick Stewart act with this kind of crazy crew he's putting together. It's just like, I mean, from the mystery and all that, and then the Borg reveals that mm -hmm. were in surprise cameos from Data and Jerry Ryan's, like, Borg Lady. That one surprised yeah. me. <laughs> like, that was all cool, but just seeing him interact with this other, this crazy new crew he's going to build is, like, has me so excited. So, all so right. just, this is a continuation or a reboot? It's not a reboot. It's a continuation. It's like, I mean, yeah, sequel. It takes place just way after Next Generation nice. and all that stuff happened. Yeah. Nice. Like, way after Next Gen and, like, somewhere before like Discovery's time jump at the end yeah. of season two. It's crazy. Mm. Anyway, moving on. I was in a panel for Westworld 3. Um, so I can talk about that. I saw that trailer. It's out now. You guys have seen it. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. It looks, I love the trailer and the way it was constructed. Um, it was very intense. 
it was very much kind of like a Sicario trailer or something like mm. that. Like a Hans, it had a very Hans Zimmery kind of score. And it showed just like uh, where Tessa Thompson's Charlotte Hale or whatever her name is. Hale is her last name. And uh, Dolores, Evan Rachel Wood are living in this futuristic real world um, where kind of, you know, they're plotting to just overthrow humanity. And there's little hints of them kind of beginning to commune with other machines in the future and doing all kinds of stuff. But they have to kind of play this game because they don't want to get caught and they have to stay undercover. You know, Bernard gets brought back through mysterious means, so Jeffrey Wright, because you got to have Jeffrey Wright, mm-hmm. so he gets brought <laughs> back, and he goes on a mission, basically, like, into the matrix of, you know, Westworld to basically World War II world, where we find uh, Mauve kind of still, or Maeve, or whatever her name is, uh, Fandy Newton still living and kind of has a new role. She gave up her power at the end of season two, so she's kind of, like, back, and he's got to kind of wake her up so she can, they're setting up, like, this fight between her and Dolores, and it's going to be kind of epic. What if and this, this one looks like a lot of... more action-packed, a lot more straightforward, kind of dark, noir, but like a lot more action-packed. There are gunfights and all kinds of crazy stuff in there. And it I, looks say, I feel like this show lost a lot of heat in season two that yeah. I hope it potentially picks back well, up. Well, yeah, I think they tried to go for the mystery, heady mm. kind of time reality questions, and people got like so confused and bored that this one, they're just like, look, it, it's robots in real world versus <laughs> robots in fake world like you know and we're just gonna get to this war is thing, it possible so. this is all some sort of plan still by uh ford, hopkins ford by ford from the beginning like he wants the world to experience westworld i mean it could be could be and that'd be awesome but uh i mean it looks really exciting did i just spoil everything <laughs> no i mean maybe not that'll be the thing i no. think this one's going to be a good jumping you back on true? point for people no no oh, so yeah no <laughs> so Theory. We're going to move on to BD side of things with The Walking Dead. Oh, yay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, what about it? Well, it's getting... That's it. Getting, We're it's getting a movie in theaters. Yeah, no, so just real well, quick, because we got to move on and jump. We got to... Yeah, well, they time. dropped their season 10 trailer. They dropped the Fear the Walking Dead season 5B trailer. Season 10 trailer, I thought, was far better than it had any business being. Just like season 9 in general had any bit, was better than it should have been. Um, but Denai Guerrero is leaving... They announced a movie that three years ago would have been huge news. I mean, the biggest news of Comic-Con, I think, if The Walking Dead said, hey, we're dropping a movie in theaters with Universal Studios. Uh, it would have been big, but it wasn't because people are over it. So this thing is going to theaters? Yeah, The Walking Dead movie. The Rick, Andrew Lincoln, I don't know. Andrew Lincoln has signed on for one movie. Um, they announced the trilogy. I don't know if that's like those tril- that trilogy might start taking a different shape because... I talked with Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and he said that they've discussed a Negan movie. I've heard of other movies involving other characters that they've been talking about, and I know that Andrew Lincoln has signed on for one movie very recently. Uh, and he almost went to Comic-Con, but he didn't. Um, but they So they dropped the movie, little teaser thing where the helicopter flies into Philadelphia, and they announced it's coming uh, only exclusively to theaters. It's always some bad stuff in Philly. But, <laughs> I mean, that, oh man, how, scare, how much scarier can you make Philadelphia? <laughs> but I am an Eagles fan. I can say that. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's kind of. I think it's just too late. I'm so curious how these movies are going to do at the box office. Me too. You have to market it as its own entity. You cannot rely on that fan base. We can't get huge traffic off the first look at season ten anymore. Whereas, if you dropped a photo from season seven or eight or six or five mm-hmm. back then, we would have to fire up more servers at the site. And now. It's like, true. 
Uh, Walking Dead's cool enough. The, so. It's cooled off. All right. Well, I put in here that we talk about cats, but that was just me being funny because that, <laughs> we'd have to need a whole podcast about how weird that movie left me <laughs> feeling. So, uh, what'll make more money, cats or the Walking Dead movie? <laughs> uh, cats will make more money. Cats, yeah. Cat. <laughs> All right, so stay tuned because when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the biggest panels at SDCC 2019, specifically on the Marvel and DC side. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, so we've got a little bit of time. Let's blow through some uh, DC stuff. <coughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh no, I'm catching it. It's getting me next. <laughs> oh, the, my car. Uh, better not get me, sir. Excuse me, sir. Did you catch the, my ugly? Uh, on the DC side, I mean, the DC films wasn't Watch really present except for pushing Shazam on home release, I think. But uh, Bad move, by the way. What? Not being there? Bad move by Warner Brothers not being there. Yeah. I mean, this they have Joker, you. Birds of Prey, and Wonder Woman 84 <laughs> coming, and they brought the costumes from the Dark Knight trilogy to the show floor. I was wondering it's why those years were there. <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, they're celebrating yeah. Batman's 80th. Film. It just Great. seems so weird, though. It's just so, so yeah. Cool. I mean, this was like the year to kind of like strike where you actually had a lineup to kind of compete with. They Marvel. just had a billion dollar movie, and then they had a critical success in Shazam, and they were like, "All right, well, you know what? Let's just talk about home." And video. they just cast Batman in Batman's 80th year. Yeah, and they didn't go. Yeah, it was a bad move. That was a bad mm. move. So we're gonna skip them and talk about uh, their TV <laughs> counterparts. So we learned a little bit of cool stuff about the Arrowverse crisis. Sounds incredible. Yeah, yeah it sounds it like it's gonna oh be pretty gosh. incredible. It's gonna get uh, pretty real. It's gonna get pretty real for the people of Arrow uh, as its kind of yeah. final arc of the show. Um, but we also learned something really cool. If you're a DC, especially '90s DC kids like myself, Brandon Ralph. He's going to get to play Superman again. And he's going to play Kingdom. No, he's going to get to play Kingdom Come Superman. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. (coughs) The plague (coughs) is getting me. But um, (laughs) he's going to get to play uh, Kingdom Come Superman, which is so cool. Kingdom Come is one of my favorite stories, period, Mm -hmm. let alone comic book stories of all time. It's just so great. And um, as somebody who didn't even, who's been hard on Brandon Routh about. uh, Superman Returns, because I hate that movie. Um, this is still great. I feel good for him. He's been a great part of the Arrowverse, and I've loved his kind of comeback into the superhero genre. Oh, he's awesome at Legends. Legends. Yeah. yeah. And so this is great for him, and, it, and that actually just makes me feel really good. And our DC TV team has – I'm still, like, catching up to all this stuff yes. as we're going along because there's so much. So much. So um, our DC TV team has been all over this crisis 
uh, Russ Burlingame, who was at Comic-Con in the trenches with us and his team. Like, yeah, go check that out on our DC side because there's so we much. We had a really good interview with Mark Guggenheim. Yeah, and BD has a crushed interview with Mark Guggenheim. And LaMonica Garrett. Like, that, the yeah. anti-monitor uh, concept art that was Dude, shown. Dude, that looks, looks so, good. so good. Yeah, the anti-monitor has been revealed. I mean, you can screw that up so like, easily. And yeah, so this good. is going to be the crossover we've all, like, I mean, we I've liked all of them, but this is going to be the one we've, like, really waited for. Mm-hmm. Burt Ward's going to be in it. Watching it. Oh, my God, Burt Ward. You're, like, 60s Robin. I can't even believe I forgot to mention that yeah right. so this is looking real so be sure to check out all that coverage um we got to just talk i mean dc universe also showed up i got to sit down with the cast of uh of uh with uh, crazy jane from doom patrol and the producer and the uh producers and writers of young oh, Justice. crazy jane yeah she's awesome diane guerrero her. she was awesome um great she was a great lady to talk to um and uh the producer of young justice uh young justice is getting a fourth installment Doom Patrol's got renewed for season two, which hey. made me so happy. Um, it's going Titans, to HBO Max, yeah, too. Yeah, HBO Max. Going to HBO yeah, Max, yeah. People are actually going to watch it, Yeah, this hopefully. DC Universe has now gotten a new lease on life through this kind of Warner yes. streaming service, the HBO Max service, which is coming, which actually has some pull because you get HBO and Cinemax and now DC Universe stuff. So, you know, they're coming back through these deals. Um, the producers for Doom Patrol, I can tell you, didn't know how many episodes we're getting. There's still budgetary questions. There's none of that has been answered yet because I was all on it. I wanted to know if we we're going to get more crazy, like, effects and fight sequences and all that stuff. Um, but producer Jeremy Carver still doesn't know. So that's taking shape. Um, Titans was supposed to be there, and I'm excited for season two of that. Yeah. They had a real serious tragedy on set. Somebody lost mm-hmm. their life. Um, so we want to just, you know, shout out condolences to to Titans family and the family, the actual family of the person mm-hmm. who unfortunately died on an onset accident. Um, so they weren't really there, and so the presence wasn't really there, but we're excited for season two, which mm-hmm. is coming down the pike as well. So that was DC Universe. Oh, and Harley Quinn premiered, and people are loving it. So it sounds like Harley Quinn's going to be a, uh, a winner for the DC fans. The, it's a very... It's kind of been described as a, kind of like a Deadpool animated series. It's kind of like the FX animated mm-hmm. series, Deadpool series that I'm, Donald Glover would have made, except for Harley Quinn on DC Universe. I'm looking forward to it because the, all the impressions were good, and I'm looking forward to it. I did not like that trailer at all, but maybe that's just... I think that's a hard show to do it. Yeah, I think I was about yeah. to say, it's a hard show to do the trailer yeah. for because, you can't, I mean, everything has to be extremely red band yeah. for like what you could actually show, and it's hard to... It is still hard to market adult themed animated yeah. stuff. So I'm looking forward to it still, but yeah, that was visually. There's just like a lot of adults who see the cartoon. And they're like, "Oh, I'm not watching this." And then kids who watch it hear everything, and their parents are freaking out. So like, <laughs> yeah, I think when it comes to DC Universe, I think it'll be like Doom Patrol. It's one of those things that if you're already behind the wall and you check it out, people are going to be loving it. So sounds like that's going to be a, a pretty good uh, winner. All right, so some of the other big panels. Uh, we, there were screenings for DC shows. We saw. Batwoman got screened and Pennyworth got screened, and I think BD was pleasantly surprised by Pennyworth. Pennyworth, I think, looks way better than I ever cared to care about. <laughs> you know, like I, I think we talked about this show, and I was just like, oh, whatever. Yeah. But I think it actually looks really good. The Not trailers look interesting, but it's on Epics. Yeah, that's was, unfortunate. Come on. But uh, so I mean. <laughs> distribution aside, I think <laughs> yeah, even well, if you were sour on Gotham, it sounds like Pennyworth is worth a look. Yeah. So I'm actually curious by now, and like I'm gonna check this out. 
because I'm always back curious. So like, I'm gonna go check it out and see what's going on with Pennyworth. Um, you saw Batwoman, Matt? Yeah, uh, I came out of it really liking it. Like, it still feels there are times it really does feel like a CW show. Still, like, don't think that's gonna change mm. uh i did come away a lot feeling a lot better about alice the villain i thought she didn't come across nearly as cheesy as she does in the trailer because they balance it out with some actual brutality and like her actually living up to her villain name so it doesn't just come off as like all talk and someone just filling a role uh so i came out liking it i think i think it's got some promise all right so those are kind of the new DV, uh, DVD shows, DC shows <laughs> that are coming to the airwaves. And those are our first impressions about it. Both look kind of more promising than we mm -hmm. thought. All right. That's not a bad thing. Uh, okay, so I sat through the Game of Thrones panel, or as I called it in the show notes, the Game of Thrones apology tour. I did get a kick out. Um, but it wasn't really an apology tour. First of all, let's just call out Game of Thrones for how shady that panel was. Uh, showrunners um, David Benoit and D.B. Weiss did not show up. Oh. They were supposed to show up. I had a pre-write in there to when we launched the panel, you know, from the confirmed guests that I had already listed out, and they were on there, and I'm like, halfway through the panel, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm like counting, and I'm like, <laughs> looking at the list, and I'm like, oh my god, they didn't, you, they didn't <laughs> so they didn't come to face the crowd, I mean, Robert Kirkman was a lot braver, at least he came out to face the crowd, and you know, said, don't kill me, um, Game of Thrones had the kind of director of programming, Eddie, whatever his name for Comic-Con, come out, and you know, try to say, guys, respect each other's fandom, Eddie Abraham. Play Come on, nice. he's a nice guy. That? <laughs> Come on, he's a nice guy. I know, Eddie is a nice guy. I'm dogging him, but like, it was a bad look. People were just like laughing. And, like, well, Varys out there running, flapping his gums. Oh, oh yes, man, we're going to get to that. So, yeah, the Game of Thrones panel got a little bit, uh, it got a little bit testy because the cast came out, and most of them, like, most of them were good and like ready to kind of, they sent the best players, their PR players, yeah. the people who could really. Spin it. I think poor Maisie Williams was like the only most nervous one, and she had no reason to be because she's like the most beloved one. Yeah. So, um, but like Nicolaj, Coaster, Waldau, um, Liam Cunningham, who's like the he could MC the whole thing himself. Davos, like, so they brought all their kind of like best PR people, and but they brought out Conneth Hill, who plays varies and. Man, that guy, I think they were like, well, he's very witty, but he was also <laughs> very angry, like very angry. I mean, it even took like a weird MAGA moment when he was talking about like why there was such backlash. And he was like claiming that like most of the fans in reality love it. Like what you see and what you hear is not real. Like most of the fans <laughs> love it. Like, and all no, the actors Con it on it's just set. that when people see you face to face, they're not going to come up to you yeah. and say, hey, that season sucked. They're going to be like, hey, I love you as Varys. Great job. Love the show. Yeah. Whereas the internet, it's much and easier for people And then he said it was too. media-led, like fake media-led kind of oh, controversy. Oh, gosh. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Lord. He, he does. And everybody not in like, the media section I was sitting in like stopped typing for a minute and their heads were just like, hmm? What, a, like, what, really, like, bro? what about, you know, I mean, Hall H is the most enthusiastic people in the world. So when he said that, did he get applause from the crowd? Did he get crickets? There <laughs> were several moments in the Game of Thrones panel where where the mic just was like, and like, it was just like. But but at that moment in particular, did the crowd have any reaction? Yeah, I mean, they like, a lot of them clap because a lot of them are like hardcore fans who had waited overnight sure. to get into the Game of Thrones panel. So like, yes. They said they loved it no matter what. Like, that wasn't surprising. 
But we just kind of rolled our eyes. He was the only angry one. Uh, Isaac Hempstead Wright was actually the funniest. He brand Stark like he was showed a lot more personality than usual. He was just kind of having fun with it and was just like he should be happy. He wanted yeah. all yeah. right. Yeah, he won. <laughs> so like, yeah, why not love it? And uh, Jacob Anderson Gray Worm stopped the whole show by uh, giving us a very very raw, informed confirmation about what what actually goes on in an unsullied in an unsullied downstairs package uh, after mutilation, which was. Wow. Uh, I can sum up, uh, I think I've summed up for the PG-13 version with D, no B, is uh, what he actually told the crowd. And right, so. that was a showstopper. <laughs> so that was a Game of Thrones panel. Okay, but in the end, it was all kind of love. We just all kind of, you know, we reflected that the journey's over. Like, love it or hate it, whatever happened along the way. Like, we took this journey and we all did it together. And the people who were on that stage did their job. Yeah, they yeah. did their job and they acted and they brought it to us and... You know, we all, every, everybody parted ways as friends, I think. So <laughs> it was good closure for them to get one more, like, little show at Hall H. Until the prequel series, baby! All right, so moving along from that, finally, finally. let's talk about, we did a whole Marvel thing, so we don't have a lot of time. We're just going to kind of sum it up. Um, you can listen to our whole Marvel recap bonus episode where we kind of broke down the step-by-steps of Hall H. But there were some lingering things we didn't uh, talk about. Because we didn't talk about uh, Black Panther 2, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. These things are coming. Captain Marvel 2, these things are still coming. Uh, Kevin Feige also name-dropped Fantastic Four and Mutants. We didn't even talk about that. Um, That's exactly what he said. Yeah, he just said <laughs> yeah, He just said, uh, Fantastic Four, Mutants. I can't talk about that yet, but like they're coming. Like, and like those so. other movies, too. Yeah, he was just kind of like, and we haven't even talked about that. And well, then, he, like, yeah. So what the, when he was wrapping up the panel, he said, he said, that's Phase 4. What do you think? And he said, and we didn't even have time to tell you that Black Panther 2 is coming. Yeah. Captain Marvel 2 is on the way. Guardians, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is coming. You've heard about the Fantastic Four. We didn't even have time to talk about mutants in the MCU. But those are all rumors. Those are all rumors. Yeah. There's just one more thing we want to tell you. And then he brought out Mahershala Ali as Blade. So I tried to follow it up and say, listen, you said Fantastic Four and Mutants on stage. Does that mean you're developing them? And he said, uh, it means we have control. We have them back. He's, he's a, he, could, Matt, he could run for on, president. Uh, you weren't on the bonus episode because, you know, you're a smart man who has a day off after Comic-Con travel. So... What was your favorite thing that you saw revealed at Hall H? Oh, Blade. But no, like... Wow, no hesitation. Marvel? Like, we're talking just the Marvel panel, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Blade. Easily. Blade. Uh, yeah. Second favorite thing was Doctor Strange just learning that Wanda is a part of that. That makes that interesting to me. And I was already jazzed for that movie. Uh, I was a little underwhelmed by most of the stuff because, like, especially, like, all the Disney Plus stuff. Like, we already knew this. I'm I'm not... Whatever. Uh, Thor could be interesting. I want to see more of that. Like, what really their plan for that is and see what Taika wants to do. Yeah, we were do. talking about, like, it would be powerful if they did the real Jane Foster. Like, she needs us to stay alive. Right, yeah. yeah. Like, I want to see if they're going to bring... Because that's a big part of that story it's not just oh we subbed out one person for the other there's real meaning to why she takes on like mm -hmm. i want to see that moved over i don't just want it to be a token move like so i'm waiting for to see actual results with that but blade yeah i didn't see that coming they lived up to it would not have guessed that and having ali in that role is fantastic he can do yeah anything. i'm so i'm like at goosebumps already with, and I was writing up an article today because we actually started something. We got a statement from Wesley Snipes 
Uh, Adam Bernhard did, did a good job of tracking down a quote from Wesley Snipes about Mahershala Ali taking over Blade. And now Mahershala Ali is responding to Wesley Snipes' quote. And, like, we got a whole conversation going right now. But I get goosebumps of thinking about it. Like, it's going to be great. I hope Wesley Snipes gets some kind of cameo. Absolutely, really yeah. The crazy thing about that whole, like, interaction was the true detective creator responding to Mahershala Ali saying, uh, oh, man, I wish we could have done Moon Knight. Yeah, I know. I saw that. Yeah. I mean, I would have uh, signed me up the for crazy thing is that Mahershala was cast nine, nine months ago. He first of all he called Foggy and just said, I want to play Blade. And then Foggy was like, Well, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, I mean, you're Mahershala Ali. Yeah, there's only one way this call ends. Yeah, two time Oscar winner. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and so that, but they kept that secret for nine months. People at Disney didn't even know. It's impressive. Until this week. Yeah, it's, it's impressive. Some, so there were some who didn't know th until three hours before the panel started. That in this day and age, you can still do that. Actually, like, warms well, Kevin my heart Feige's a little like, bit. You know? I think Kevin Feige, like, moonlights for the CIA. So. <laughs> It's but, crazy. But that was a great mic drop. Like that was that was awesome. It's so. gonna be a movie about how the guy who made Marvel movies secretly like defeated the Kremlin too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "Here's what we're gonna do: the whole bombing reveal." Like, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it was crazy. Um, but yeah, so that was you, a Marvel you, panel. What was, what was your favorite moment? My favorite moment from the panel? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, the whole thing was really exciting. And then when I took a look back at phase four and all the titles, I was like, you know what? There isn't one that usually in each phase, there's one that stands out that you're like, I can't wait for that movie. And it's pr almost always unanimous. And I think maybe it's just more exciting now that every time you ask somebody, they say something different. I mean, there is no Avengers title. There is no civil, like phase three, it was civil war. And, well, I guess, phase, I guess that's the end of phase two. So phase two, it was civil war. And then Phase three was Infinity War and Endgame. With this, I, I I think it's really interesting that they're doing Scarlet Witch is WandaVision as a series, and that will lead directly into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. That's pretty exciting. But also getting Baron Zemo back for Captain America or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's pretty cool. But the footage they showed for Black Widow looked like a Jason Bourne Mission Impossible mashup set in the Winter Soldier tone, awesome. which was awesome. Yeah, that was <laughs> super great. cool. And... Shang-Chi. I think if I, I, if I were to predict which one of these movies is going to end up being my favorite right now, I think it would probably be either Shang-Chi or Black Widow. But I don't, but that's not knowing much, but just based on what we know right now. I think Shang-Chi is going to end up being my favorite. I think, like I said, I think Marvel's going to find a way to do a next level Kung Fu movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hope like so. Kung Fu in a superhero universe. What does that mean? And like, what does it mean to be a like a master of martial arts? when there's like a Captain America and there's ways to make that really cool. And I think they're going to do I, that. I just really, I'm super curious to see how Marvel translates even further the, the brilliance that is Jack Kirby with the Eternals. That yeah, Jim is I, all aboard I, the I Eternals all train. all aboard that Eternals train, baby. I mean, the, the, the work, the, the concept art... Got me excited. Oh, the well, see, the, see, the concept art has me excited, but also a little confused. Con yeah. Well, concerned, like this, like the celestials that I know, and this is me being just a fanboy right now, and just being like, man, they don't look like that. That's right. Everyone but, here hated Spider Man because Tony Stark is an influence. <laughs> but uh, but the celestials look look odd, like weirdly like skinny transformers. Yeah, they're not yeah. like block like you know like, like the, they're they're not. I thought like, the same thing. They're not like they don't look. As imposing yeah, as daunting, uh, you know they do when they show up in the comics and stuff like that. They look kind of like Power Ranger reject 
stuff right now. See, I think they, but maybe it's because are I you don't. body shaming the celestials? They look like yeah. they look like, look like but they look okay, kind of like the Goldar celestials from the Power don't look. You ever see that beginning of Transformers: Dark of the Moon? But they, they, they look don't look imposing. But the celestial we saw in Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. looked like a celestial, right? These but, look different, and, and yeah. the, but in the stuff that we saw in Thor Ragnarok, where people were dressing up as celestials and things yeah. like that, like that look, it kind of look like zombie celestials. Um, so you know, I mean, I guess we'll see. I mean, this, yeah, it's concept art. That's the movie true. Has exactly. So, but what's interesting is that during the panel, they said they have to get back to filming in London. Like they were like they just came yeah. in from production. So is the movie already shooting? Yeah, probably. Yeah, the Eternals must already be shooting, especially if it's going to be a big visual effects spectacle that this movie is going to call for yeah. that's going to release in November of next year. I'm really curious to see this budget. Like, right? Like, that kind that of... cast. It could, yeah, the cast. Getting that cast to Comic-Con alone. An interesting budget. Angelina Jolie. I mean, Jesus. Salma Hayek's in it. I'm excited. I know. No one saw Salma Hayek coming. Mm-mm. No. No. <laughs> Did not. Under Brian the, I think the, the, the undercurrent of a lot of this stuff is all of these announcements, the actors and stuff, they were way, they were incredibly diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, if not only just from like the style of movie that you're probably going to get, but but down to the cast, you know, the, the casting and stuff like that. Just, it's going to be a very interesting two years. Yeah, and I Marvel think movies. that sums up and kind of to sum it all up. Sums up my favorite part was I remember we were kind of going crazy writing this all up up in the suite, and I was just kind of like, this is just like back to the beginning again. Like it's like so unknown. Like mm-hmm. there, there is, and I love that, and then I, I kind of like embrace that feeling. Like this is back to the beginning because I was doing this when this hall began. Like mm-hmm. and when we were talking about Thor and Captain America and the Avengers coming as, as just speculation articles and how is this going to call come together? What if Thor flops? What if Cap flops? Like you know all this stuff, and it's just. Like, it was so much fun, mm-hmm. the kind of anticipation and getting to Avengers Weekend release and not automatically knowing this is going to yeah. be a smash hit. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, God, here it is. Like, what's the first weekend going to be? Has it all? Like, and now we've up? made it to that next rung of, like, yeah. B-list characters exactly. that open it's up the, the same creative. kind yeah. of thing. It's like, man, this is all so crazy. Look at all these crazy. And I looked at the full slate and just, like, look at all these crazy logos. Like, Marvel's gone nuts. Like, I don't, like, Love don't and know. Thunder. Yeah, love and thunder. <laughs> like, is this all gonna like crash and burn, or are they gonna prove to be brilliant again? Because it feels like we're just like jumping back into like this crazy, semi kitschy '60s Kirby era with all of this, like where they're just going full, which is great. Comic book. I, I also great. think it's like, crazy yeah. how much MCU content we're getting. Mm-hmm. Well, well, there's only it's five true, movies, right? Yeah. Movies, yeah, but like seven shows. Yeah. In the over the course of two years. And we don't know how many episodes, we're assuming what, eight episodes each about, give or take two on I Yeah. As that is think. so much MCU content. And we don't know if those are gonna be rolled out all at once to to binge or if it's right. gonna be a well, weekly a, thing I on hope Disney Plus. Not all rolled out at once. No, I would love I it if they're weekly. I would love yeah, it if they're I, weekly. I nope. really want them to be weekly. I want them to even be then, weekly. Because then you yeah. might as well just release them as as movies, right? Yeah. Like yeah. why No, I agree. I like the weekly thing. Yeah. And people, I'm actually, I'm sure we just started an argument though. I'm sure some people who are listening to us right now, sitting in traffic, are punching the air saying, Why would you want them weekly? I want them all at once. No, no more Netflix stuff. No, no. I, I like I, the weekly I, release. Too much of a good, I've had too much of a good thing. Like, just, I want weekly and then I want us all to discuss and yeah, talk it's more and fun. speculate and, mm-hmm. and for this. 
And the fandom is built like that, and I think they would do well just to do it weekly. Yeah, and and I think it would, would be, be a better business model because as the conversation ramped up and got crazier, more and more people would feel the need to the, get drawn. This in. would be you know how many weeks in a year that means we're getting MCU content. But this would be the live action v- comics yes. that mm-hmm. we have been waiting for. Yeah, that we have not gotten yet really so, from Marvel Television. But like, it could it, it could it backfire? Could uh, it be I, too much? Uh, no. No. You're asking people to watch. We already live in a Marvel-saturated world. If, yeah. Like, we all just look at the new I'm just, releases. I'm just playing if devil's talking, advocate. If you haven't noticed yet, like, if you look at the entire picture, like, a Marvel new movie release, a Marvel new TV release, a Marvel movie release on digital streaming mm-hmm. or home video, release on streaming service like Netflix, yeah. mm-hmm. premiere on TV... It all is synchronized to be happening like yeah. one after another, so you never truly escape. Like mm-hmm. as soon as you're done with all the movies, going out to the movies or tuning into the streaming shows, you flip on like Stars or even TNT, and then it's like tonight premiering Doctor Strange or yeah. like Spider Man Homecoming I mean, is coming on. Tonight. My biggest like, concern is for and this everywhere. is just me. It's not anything to do with timing or or letting it all at once or anything, though I do like the weekly model. I just don't care about any of these shows except for one. I mean, Captain, Falcon, Winter Soldier is the only one I care about. Yeah, that's prob- and I'll bet you that's tied, tied heavily into Black Widow. Like Loki? Nah. Uh, WandaVision? Nah. I, <laughs> I could care less. Like, that's the thing is I've said that about Marvel movies in the past, and then they drop the trailers, and I'm like, God damn, I'm in. I just don't care about Vision. And I've never cared about Vision. I'm and not. I I'm more. I'm either. more curious to see Wanda reacting to someone like Doctor Strange than I am. I agree. A great Vision. Like the. But just, well, we were discussing they, WandaVision yesterday, and we did stumble onto something that would be interesting. That is WandaVision, her using her powers in that weird kind of construct my own reality type way and beginning oh, to bridge into that. That House of M craziness. Yeah, House yeah. of M craziness, <laughs> which then leads into Doctor Strange. And I mean, the look, verse of madness. If that's the case, that's the one yeah. angle you get me at. That's then that's yeah. that's what I said because that's yeah. was out of desperation too. I, I was like, this it, would explain the kitschy '50s stuff. Yeah. Like if she just begins to build her own reality and eventually it could be like vision who's like what the like yeah, it could just it could just set up it me. could just set, set up scarlet witch as the villain of doctor yeah, strange which i would be i would love that would be great so yeah if her powers start to go nuts then like yeah cuz she's one of the most powerful people cuz the then MCU. they tease that you'll learn like the true nature of like what Why happened she's called her which bitch. hopefully the true nature is she's a mutant yeah yeah. Who knows? And then she springs out yeah. new powers. Maybe Boom. people. Maybe, we just made WandaVision maybe the most people, compelling yes. thing. My, maybe people lineup. who have the mutant gene and got snapped came back oh, with God. the mutant gene triggered. My, I, I mean, yeah. my my thing is, I think mutants mutants may get seeded in the in Eternals via Celestials, like they've been here all along. Yeah, I don't want. Or like it, too or, many heroes no, no, have no, no, already no, no, been no. here all no, along. No, but what I mean is, it it takes the arrival of another celestial now to basically activate. So you're saying doing what they did in like Marvel Legacy number one. Yes. It's a corrupted celestial that ends up. That'd be an interesting different angle for the mutant gene. Like even if people, if it's not just like in teenagers, like if you were an adult and had like an entire life Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden this event happened and all of a sudden you like, you freak out and you're Cyclops or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that'd be crazy. It's almost like blending the inhumans. Right. And, the Celestials to make mm. a wonderful thing. This is the most fun part of the whole announcement. 
Oh, this right here, the yeah. conjecture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I get it. Yeah, I mean, and this is what we're going to be doing for the next <laughs> yeah. year. Yeah, so. got a and lot that's what of it I said. to enjoy. This is, and this is what I said. This is what we did at the beginning, and it's like the beginning again. We have no idea what's coming in this next, like, thing. Everything we knew is kind of falling back for right now, and now we just have all these, like, kind of weird unknowns. So it's going to be fun. All right, well, that was everything from Comic-Con. As you can tell, we are just kind of delirious and uh, going on. This mm. is one of our longest episodes yet. Yep. So we're going to wrap it up here and uh, say this is Comic Book Nation. Thank you guys for riding with us. The cast is already on their way out. Uh, <laughs> the movie's over, folks. All right.